today I'm gonna jump right in because I've got a lot to cover starting with my Super Bowl which is the whole sign house denialism debate which has been unfolding in the online astrology community over the past week. For us astrologers, this is on par with the 2016 U.S. presidential debates, Tati's Bi Sister YouTube video, and the Wagatha Christie scandal all rolled together and bigger than all three. For all the information and all the history involved, you must go to Chris Brennan's Twitter account and scroll through the various response videos that he's posted. He started with a nearly seven-hour live stream debating point-by-point point astrologer Deborah Holdings' incendiary YouTube lecture, the sign, the whole sign, and nothing but the sign. Really? He has had on such living legends as Demetra George, Robert Hand. It feels like there's a new video dropping every day. And it's been a lot of astrological history being parsed out and uncovered and shared with the community. So there's actually been like a wide ranging ripple effect that's been an opportunity to learn about how modern traditions in astrology have come about and how traditional astrology has had a recent surgeons that also really has interesting timing coinciding with the Uranus-Neptune conjunction and so ties into what we do here on this podcast. So there's a lot for us to think about and discuss here and I'll try to loop you guys in as best I can. If you don't care about the tea, if you don't care about any of these people, you can go ahead and skip forward a little bit. I'll have more relevant stuff for the general collective in a bit, but I do want to cover this momentous internet drama in my world for posterity add my voice to the chorus and discuss what has come from this heated debate about whole sign houses in one corner contesting the validity of whole sign houses and accusing them of being a modern invention with a fabricated historical backing we have deborah holding who is an acclaimed uk astrologer creator of the skyscript astrology website and author of the book houses temples of the sky in the opposite corner defending whole sign houses systems, we have Chris Brennan, author of Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune, host of the Astrology Podcast, and influential proponent of the use of whole sign houses to construct and delineate astrological charts. A little astro background here, astrology has been in practice by humans on Earth since at least the 3rd millennium BCE. In those thousands of years, many different techniques for constructing and interpreting the charts have been developed. Using whole sign houses is a colloquial term for constructing a chart in a way where each house is exactly 30 degrees and one house is equal to one sign. This is in contrast to quadrant house systems like Placidus, which first divide the chart into quarters using the ascendant-descendant axis, which is the horizon line, eastern and western, as cusps of the first and seventh house, and then using the midheaven and the imamkoli, which are the zenith and the nadir of the birth chart, will become the tenth and fourth house cusps. This results in unequal house sizes in charts delineated using quadrant systems, with houses containing all or part of up to three signs. So whole sign, one sign equals one house, 
house placidus the houses don't necessarily align perfectly with the signs and they can encompass two or even up to three signs so these house systems can be thought of as different techniques within astrology and there is significant evidence of both of them being practiced definitely in the modern times and in ancient times as well vedic astrology uses a sidereal zodiac and uses a completely different set of delineations and different way of dividing up the chart their charts are actually in like a square shape instead of a circle but they use a form of whole sign systems so vedic astrology is the most commonly practiced form of astrology on earth and they use a whole sign system so that in and of itself should be enough to justify whole sign use but for deborah holding there's something there's a sticking point for her where she feels the need to invalidate all of whole sign usage and advocate for only quadrant systems and I think particularly Placidus. I'm not really sure like why she's kind of dying on this hill so to speak but it has resulted in the modern traditional astrological community roaring back with their own opinions on the matter and their own evidence and translations of ancient texts backing up their methodologies, their reasoning for bringing the traditional technique of whole sign into a modern astrological practice. They're like using empirical evidence sourced from thousands of years ago. They're name dropping people who died thousands of years ago and those names are like extremely relevant in this drama there is an element of it that's genuinely hilarious and personally where i fall in my practice on the matter is i do use a quadrant house system i do use placidus and i have never used whole sign alone to delineate my client's charts or my own chart but I certainly do take whole sign into account. Thinking about my own chart and thinking about placements that move, I will consider which placements move and sort of think about how to bring the themes from the house that that placement moved into into the chart that I am working with. But what I have used whole signs for is writing horoscopes, which is not something that I do in my practice currently, but it is something that I have tried in the past. And in order to write a horoscope, you really do need to use whole sign. It's just... I don't know how you would use Placidus. It would be pretty random, and I feel that for forecasting for the general collective, there is a use for whole sign. Whole sign comes in handy there, and I feel that Chris Brennan and people in his Hellenistic school of astrology and school of thought, they work with whole sign houses and they come up with really great results that have been very valuable contributions to the community. And so I feel that there's been abundant modern proof of whole sign applications being as useful as quadrant house divisions. And I definitely do agree with Chris that it is a bizarre stance to take to come for a technique that is not your own and try to invalidate the work and the practices of others because you don't personally work with one technique. So that's like a very strange thing. Uh, and in order to try to understand that, I googled Deborah Holding to learn more about her because I wasn't very familiar with her work. I'm super familiar with Chris. They come from different lineages and they have, I suppose, come to a head before now. 
over this topic, which is sign division, how to divide up the chart and say what signs rule which houses, what parts of what signs fall in what houses, basically how is the chart laid out. So it's a very foundational thing that affects everything because the chart is the foundation that we use to practice astrology. So a little bit more background here is that astrology has a non-linear history. In ancient times, there's evidence of it being very prevalent, being incorporated into sciences such as traditional medicine, meteorology, and alchemy, which was also a science back then. So astrology had more significance and greater importance in ancient times, like ancient Greco-Roman times, and also in places like China and Japan and India, of course, there is evidence of astrology and astrological traditions going back for thousands of years. And in looking into this, I found that astrology was actually something that was traded along the Silk Roads between the East and the West when those trade routes opened up in, you know, the 2nd century CE to the 15th century. Astrology was moving along those trade routes and moving between cultures and there was an exchange of information between the astrological disciplines. And so there was a more vital exchange and interplay between the different branches of astrology until the 1400s when Constantinople fell and the Ottoman Empire cut off connection between the East and the West. After that, during the Renaissance era, astrology gradually fell out of fashion and the discipline sort of fragmented and became less than what it once was as the Catholic Church demonized the practice of astrology and considered any form of divination to be a mortal sin. Actually, in Dante's Inferno, which was written in the 1300s, people who practice divination are sentenced to the eighth circle of hell, Malibolge. Malibolge is a series of ditches where different types of sinners are sentenced to spend eternity, and the diviners are in a ditch together where they have their heads twisted around so that they can only look behind them and never look ahead at where they're going. And now in the modern times, we exist within a plurality, maybe a multitude of different modern traditions, some of which are rooted in traditional Hellenistic astrology, some of which have their roots in more medieval astrology, some of which are more intuitive and evolutionary, which is kind of where I fall in the mix, although I'm so curious that I do sort of investigate and try to learn from all of the other traditions and at least try to reconcile those different attitudes and techniques with my own practice so that I can stay coherent with my contemporaries as much as is possible. I think the different techniques which have survived the test of time and remain prevalent now do work for different reasons and purposes for different types of astrologers, and that diversity of intellect and approach is a boon to the community and the field of astrology and not a detraction. I don't see why a difference in someone else's technique should threaten the validity of your own. Astrology is a dynamic living thing. Why place such arbitrary restrictions on it? Astrologer Deborah Holding released a video entitled, The Sign, The Whole Sign, and Nothing But The Sign. Really? And in that video, she asserted that 
The whole sign house system was a modern invention brought forth in 1993 by Project Hindsight, which was an astrological project aimed at translating ancient texts from the Hellenistic period. And it's really interesting learning about the existence of that project because I've been thinking about the year 1993 with my work with the Uranus-Neptune conjunction. And I have a new theory that... 1993 under that Uranus-Neptune conjunction is when the cosmic technology and divine discipline of astrology received its biggest update possibly ever with new translations coming in from other realms and from the past from outside of our present moment with Project Hindsight translating the ancient Hellenistic texts that would become the basis for the study of astrologers like Chris Brennan and those studying in the same lineage and with the translations of the degree meanings behind the Chandra symbols by Elias and Sarah Lonsdale and with the birth of a new generation of astrologers born under the Uranus-Neptune conjunction and now coming into their own fully fruited adulthood ready to leave their mark on the world. I don't think it's a coincidence that all of these new astrologers just popped up in the late 20-teens. I think they aged into becoming astrologers and they have been taking advantage of the massive amounts of resources available online and have made incredible progress and been able to join the community as contemporaries at younger and younger ages. I'll be interested to see if that's a trend that continues and the availability of learning materials and resources, if that encourages more and more people to get into astrology and we see growing numbers of astrologers over the years or if we see that this strange boom really was a once in a generation thing that was connected to this Uranus Neptune conjunction that seems to be so important for astrology as a whole. So just as a quick recap to fill the 1993 bucket and paint the picture of everything that was happening under this conjunction We have the translation of the Hellenistic text done by Project Hindsight. We have the birth of a new generation of astrologers, the dawn of the internet, the invention of astrology software, which allows astrologers to calculate charts in seconds. And we have the translation of the degree meanings by Elias and Sarah Lonsdale. Project Hindsight was started in 1993 by Robert Schmidt and Robert Hand, and its aim was to translate and interpret the surviving text of the Western astrological tradition into modern language for the first time, particularly from the Hellenistic period, so Greco-Roman traditional astrology. They determined that this was the foundation and the basis for all later Western astrology, and that there existed within this practice a perfect contained system of astrology. And so Project Hindsight worked to translate those texts and to bring that system and that traditional practice of astrology into the modern times. And that effort has been carried forth by other astrological scholars such as Chris Brennan, 
who have focused their work on the Hellenistic period and devoted their practice to those techniques and maintaining them and teaching them in their purity. So this became the foundation for modern astrology as we know it. We did not have access to these materials and this information, and there was a dearth of materials for modern astrologers to go on. So this project ushered in a new era of going back to ancient times when astrology was not only respected, but actively furthered and studied by the most luminous minds of the time to see what they had come up with and translate that into a modern language and then try to apply it to our modern era. These texts and this information is so foundational to astrology that it does end up being a huge part of the basis of my practice. Even though my applications are different, I take my fundamentals from this traditional astrology. So in a lot of ways, I owe much of my practice to Project Hindsight and to Robert Hand and Chris Brennan through, you know, the grapevine. Astrology software allowed astrologers to calculate charts digitally for the first time ever. So before like the late 80s, early 90s, astrologers were calculating every single chart that they read by hand, drawing every single chart that they read. I really cannot overstate how crazy that is from my perspective as a modern astrologer who's, you know, never lived a day where I couldn't just press a button and generate a chart in seconds. I mean, you really used to have to earn your ability to practice astrology by first learning how to construct charts and drawing them out and then learning how to interpret them. So, I mean, I have the utmost respect for all astrologers who practiced before I was born in the early 90s because you guys really, you worked for it. Now it's a lot easier to become an astrologer. There are so many online communities that are absolutely teeming with incredible thinkers who are actively contributing to a growing field. So it's a very exciting place to be now online as an astrologer with access to so many different perspectives and so much literature there have been so many astrologers who have been so generous to write incredible books and create all of these resources and yeah it's never been easier or more fun to become an astrologer I think but at the same time there are a lot of competing schools of thought and those schools of thought are often in conflict with one another and so it does create a pretty confusing environment for young people who are coming up and trying to learn astrology it's kind of like which path will I take like who's right which teacher is telling the truth and in my mind, I don't think anybody's lying. I don't think anybody's wrong. I do think that different techniques work for different people for whatever reason. And I also think that different astrologers have different aims and are trying to do different things. And I suspect that the different techniques like house systems and other techniques that we use as well simply have purposes that are better suited to certain endeavors than others. So for example, me, I am an intuitive evolution evolutionary, like soul-based karmic astrologer. I read the chart to determine what does the soul want, what does the soul demand, and what kind of energies are at play that are either holding us back from what that is or supporting that effort. And so I use the charts to translate the soul's desire, what's standing in the way, what gifts and talents are present that can be used 
towards the native's aims. And then we investigate the timing in order to see, you know, when are things likely to come about? When are there periods that are more challenging and struggle? And when are more periods of ease where actions can be taken to further our goals and our visions more quickly and easily? So all of that is kind of what I do with the chart, but that's really different from what I see a lot of Hellenistic and whole sign astrologers doing. And I'm so, so interested in that discipline and that practice. And I feel like I gain so much from listening to astrologers who are actively studying or working in that discipline. But for me, I recognize that I'm doing something different. And while I can learn a lot from their very academic, very consistent way of interpreting charts and interpreting astrology and astrological transits and the way that they define planetary energies, it's all very valuable and it feeds into my practice very well, but it isn't my practice. It's very different. And what's done with that kind of astrology and with the whole sign charts feels a lot more literal to me and a lot more mundane as in like very like like practical than what I do, which is a lot more big picture. It's really kind of tapping into the other side and like unseen realms and pulling in information from the cosmos that sort of isn't always necessarily present in the native's life. Sometimes I do read the chart for somebody who's just completely with it and maybe they have had astrology. Actually, this person told me that they had a family astrologer, so I can't say that she was like completely without astrological guidance, but at the same time, I mean, she was following her intuitive path. Her life reflected her chart in such a mind-blowing and incredible way. I'm not going to give details because readings are private, but this is a recent reading and I was just absolutely floored with the amount that she had brought into being that was in her chart. And difficult stuff too, nothing easy. But she was a Capricorn, so that might explain it. Capricorn stellium might explain it. There is a ancient and now new again rich tradition of practicing astrology using whole sign houses that is championed by not only Chris Brennan but other luminaries in the field of astrology such as Demetra George and Robert Hand, both of whom have come on to Chris's platform in the past week to respond to Deborah Holding's assertions and to refute the specious allegations that whole sign is purely a modern invention and listening to Robert Hand especially who is I mean all of these people are honestly living legends Robert Hand wrote the book planets in transit kind of like a bible for a consulting astrologer so it was really incredible to hear these like first-hand accounts of what happened in the early 90s and also their take on what was going on today it's been really cool for me as an astrologer and a fan of all of these people and their work and their contributions to the field to get to observe this drama which has you know it started as something sort of negative and i think it has turned into something really positive with this history lesson that we're all getting and these first-hand accounts that chris has been able to share with everybody it's very cool to hear their thoughts and to hear about Project Hindsight, which I wasn't familiar with, but it makes sense and everything is really fitting into this timeline that I've been trying to put together in my mind with the history of astrology and it being so like interrupted and atomized 
from medieval times into the modern era, you know, it used to be, yeah, that you needed to learn how to draw a chart yourself. You needed to find a teacher, study under them in real life. There were so many limitations to becoming an astrologer at all. So there just weren't very many for a really long time, basically from the medieval era until the early 90s and the present moment. And really even like the 2010s, which is when the early 90s cohort came of age and actually became astrologers and started on their path and their career paths. It was really fascinating to have Project Hindsight clip into my timeline in the year 1993 that this project came into being and these translations came into the astrological community and our collective astrological knowledge bank at the same time that the internet allowed astrologers to not only calculate charts digitally and instantly, but connect with one another via internet forums in a way that they had not been able to before. So now astrologers were able to form a larger, wider network, Aquarius style, where before they had been confined to IRL communities. Now in the internet era, not only can we connect on forums, but we can write blog posts, we can podcast, we we can tweet, we can connect in all sorts of ways with people from all over the world, all different disciplines, and there's an exchange of ideas happening right now on a scale that was just impossible prior to the internet era. The world opened up for astrologers around 1993 and beforehand with the software in 1991, but it definitely coincided with that Saturn and Aquarius cycle that's now finishing up the Saturn return. And interestingly, Deborah Holding, the woman that all of this started with, also has her Saturn in Aquarius. And so she was born in the 60s when Saturn was in Aquarius and she had her first Saturn return in the early 90s. And I think that she was an astrologer prior to her first Saturn return, but I'm sure that her Saturn return was a really interesting time that cemented her as an astrologer, where she was initiated really into the practice. And I suppose that during that time, the efforts of Project Hindsight and the translations of the traditional astrology just didn't make it into her mind and didn't become real. And I suppose that in the cycle since, she has maintained a perspective of this new translation of of old work isn't real it doesn't exist but yeah i think it's really interesting that this ancient knowledge that experienced a rebirth and reintroduction into our modern astrological society is now experiencing its own saturn return and being challenged by people like deborah holding and people like Chris Brennan, Robert Hand, Demetra George, and others are coming forth to cement it and say, this is real. This is real to us. This has legs. This is coming into the future. This is going to be a fundamental part of what comes next. While I am interested in traditional astrology, and I do recommend studying it for astrologers new and practiced i think there's valuable stuff in there i do want to be clear that i am not a traditional astrologer and that my work is not really in that lineage i do want to talk about the lineage that i do feel like i am a part of in a strange way um, and that i'm really called to which also has a really interesting tie to the year 1993 and to that uranus neptune conjunction that brought in so much change and such an infusion of futuristic updated energy to the field of astrology and to the world at large. 
So I need to tell you guys a story related to the work of Elias and Theona Lonsdale and their interpreted channeled degree readings for the Chandra symbols. The Chandra symbols were originally channeled by a man named John Sandbach on April 11th, 1983. And then beginning in the late 80s, astrologers Elias and Sarah Lonsdale worked to channel degree readings to go alongside these symbols and provide kind of a cosmic portrait of the energy of each of the 360 degrees of the zodiac. The interpreted meanings and readings for them were channeled by Elias and written down by his wife, Sarah, and they worked on that for a few years together in the early 90s with Elias regularly channeling each of the 360 degrees, spending a few days with each degree, fully embodying it and channeling its energy and having Sarah write down what the channelings were. They worked this way for years until Sarah tragically passed away from cancer in 1993, at which point Elias stayed connected to her soul as it passed to the other realm, and a channel opened up for him between him and his wife Sarah, who eventually became known as Theana, as a divine being on the other side, something greater than Sarah, and they continued to work on the degree readings in this way with Theana advising Elias and translating truth from the other side and Elias penning that truth into words and publishing books that were written by Theana. I have been using the Chandra symbols and the degree readings from the book Inside Degrees since the beginning of my practice because very early on I craved a depth of knowledge from the chart that I could only find in the readings of the individual degrees. And when I came across this book, Inside Degrees by Elias Lonsdale, it was everything that I was looking for. And over time, the degree readings, they just open up more and more. They are really profound and profoundly accurate and resonant and thought-provoking and mind-blowing and obscure and difficult to understand at first but the more time you spend with them and meditate on them and bring in the aspects of your chart and the placements that they correlate to and kind of layer on the astrology over the degree reading itself it really paints these accurate pictures of divine callings this stuff gets so weird it really gets into just the deepest parts of the astral and these unseen realms that I talk about but that none of us can really see. But some of us can sense them, some of us more than others. And I think that we need to be bringing in information from these realms. It isn't helpful for us to be living totally blind on earth. We're not honoring what we're here to do. And so it feels to me like there is an urgency and almost a crisis that is arising from the detachment from these realities and these truths. And it's all very woo-woo. It's a lot of mysticism, but there's something really real in it to me. And I 
I'm trying to communicate that. Hopefully over time we can have a conversation going and come to some kind of new understanding. There are going to be times in this podcast where I ask you, my listener, to take a leap of faith with me just for the sake of thought and imagination and trying to expand our intellect and our mental horizons and just to consider things that maybe we've been taught are impossible. So I haven't solved the mysteries of the universe yet, but I am trying and I'm going to try right here on this podcast with you and you can help me. So we know that the Uranus-Neptune conjunction that took place over the early 90s was significant, astrologically significant and culturally significant. The Uranus-Neptune conjunction was actually what I would consider to be my first unique observation and delineation as an astrologer. Very early on in my practice, I noticed that conjunction in my chart and it stood out to me. And I received a message intuitively about it that said that this is a calling This is a generational calling to contribute to humanity and society in a particular way. And that wherever the signature could be found in anyone's chart, it would mean the same thing. And as an astrologer, I sort of connected with this conjunction right away. And I thought, okay, if I can learn more about this and I can uncover its mysteries, I can potentially use this conjunction in tandem with the rest of the birth chart to help elucidate for my clients and people who come to me what their role in this larger picture of bringing about the future of Earth and humanity is. So it's always meant a lot to me, this conjunction, and it's been something that's really stuck with me and that I have considered to be important since I started as an astrologer and as I advance through my astrological studies and my practices, I feel that initial feeling that I got from it to be even stronger and more complex and nuanced than I realized. So Investigating the mystery of the Uranus-Neptune conjunction of 1993, I tracked Uranus and Neptune's travels through that time period and I found that they traveled very closely together in both retrograde and direct motion, stationing at almost the same time, sometimes just one day apart, uh, very close together. But during that time, they only occupied the same exact degree at the same time over a span of four degrees of Capricorn. So those degrees are Capricorn 18, 19, 20, and 21, which we'll read in our degree book as being one forward, as is traditionally read for these degrees as Capricorn 19, 20, 21, and 22. To quote the book, each degree of the zodiac is an energy wave calculated to start right away, Example, 17 degrees Taurus is from 16 degrees 1 minute to 17 degrees 0 minutes. So it's a little bit confusing, but if you look into this book, which is called Inside Degrees by Elias Lonsdale, he does explain on the first page in the acknowledgments and special notes section about how to read the degrees properly. So I thought it will be interesting for us to look at the book Inside Degrees and read the degree readings for the four degrees of Capricorn in which Uranus and Neptune occupied the same degree at the same time. So traveled together through these four degrees 
connected. I think there's a story there. There's at least some clues. I think exploring this, we can get more information about what this conjunction might be bringing into our future through us. So I'd like to read those four degrees. I'm going to do them in a row, like a little story. And the way these degrees work is that there is a symbol, which is like a standalone image. And then there is the degree reading, which is the channeled energetic reading behind the symbol. So I'll read the symbol and then the reading for all four degrees. Capricorn 19. A half-eaten piece of bread. Utilitarian considerations. Observing the self through objectified eyes. Conditioning and programming. Talking self and others into following the program. Astute wheeler-dealer. You're not there in it, picturing it as though it were something brutally obvious and commonplace. Decadence, barbarian tendencies, sympathies with the consciousness of problems and issues, difficulties and struggles all pervasive. Never content, always aware of what is not happening. The bitter perspective and relentless repetition of the litany of gloom and doom. Capricorn 20, many different perfumes carried by a breeze. We bear within us many past lives, each one complete, autonomous, and emitting its own subtle special fragrance. There are points along the journey when we must stand together with the whole lineup of our previous selves and follow out the journey they were all leading to. This is a formidable task. There is a lot to live up to. It grants you authority and conviction, and it makes it very hard to get started. In order to get anywhere, you must at times deny the awareness that everybody is there, and do whatever you can do, apparently on your own. But truly, the depth of experience, the substantive inward development, and the power of your inner drive give it away. You are destiny charged in a larger-than-life fashion. Being self-possessed is your watchword. There is so much to accomplish, and at the center of the journey lies self-knowledge and the overriding determination to clear the karmic slate, to free up what has been trapped and bound, and to come to yourself afresh. This destiny will is guided, cosmically supported, centrally relevant to your whole world, and you will do it. Turn the darkest of hours into the brightest breakthroughs by refusing to stop anywhere or to back down from your resolve to wake up this time and get on with the greater path at long last. Capricorn 21, a stately old house in a ruined condition. Karmic entanglement in patterns, syndromes, and worlds which have no future. Dwelling in worlds apart and worlds gone by, intent upon salvaging the essence spark of what was once there and claims your allegiance still, you are heavily drawn back in a virtual stupor or enchantment of following out a script, fulfilling a fate, every line written ahead of time, starchy and formal, haunted, intrigued, bound up with what would seem to be no longer happening, yet inwardly brooding all-pervasively upon the reverberations and echoes of what went wrong, of what was lost, of the severances and the tragedies, doomed to stay in the lost places until divine spirit intervenes, self-sentenced to limbo, half glad of it and half miserable and full of longings. Finally, Capricorn 22, a bare altar covered with black velvet, Death is a force that brings into earth something from beyond, and this something is the X factor in the human equation. Your own previous deaths as major signposts which hold you to your noblest and most surrendered ways of being. 
mortality has spoken. Immortality arises from the ashes, a threshold awareness that hugs the edge between the worlds and bows before a god who presides over the living and the dead. You stride across worlds in tune with myriad frequencies and are quite able to make way for the unknown, the infinite, the other side of life, a fiercely held intention to bow before what truly is and fall for nothing less, no matter how attractive or appealing. You know, I'm still always trying to figure out the truth at the heart of everything, and I find that using astro logic to think about that makes me feel less confused and puts things in an order that starts making a lot of sense to me in a very weird way that's pretty unsettling. And it doesn't provide any easy answers, and it contradicts a lot of what I was raised to believe and what I was raised to take as a given and even what I learned to counteract those beliefs that I was taught. So I was raised Catholic. I went to mass every Sunday as a child until I was a teenager, but it was a little bit more complicated than that because, you know, with the horrible crimes taking place in the Catholic church, my parents had three sons and they said, we're out of here. When I was around 12 or 13, we left the Catholic church and we became Presbyterian. And I really enjoyed going to the Presbyterian church for about three or four years. I was in youth group. I went to church every Sunday and also a couple of other times during the week for, yeah, like youth group recreational activities and fundraisers and things. And that was really one of the only places where I felt genuine community at the Presbyterian church. But my parents decided to quit that church as well when I was around 15. And then we sort of lost touch with our religion as a family after that. I think that they are back going to church now in their new town that they moved to a couple of years ago but as for me I definitely lost touch with my religion and with God and then at some point in the you know late 20 teens I rediscovered a new connection to spirit and divinity that was really different from the type of spiritual logic I had been raised to accept. The main difference being that I believe that astrology indicates reincarnation and the mechanism of reincarnation as being kind of at the heart of things and that we reincarnate on earth in order to develop our souls for some purpose that is beyond my recognition as a human being. I do not think that as humans, we can necessarily access all of this divine information. I think it's locked away beyond our comprehension and it's just outside the realm of what we're able to perceive with our Saturnian limits on earth. The finite boundaries of our existence our minds, our bodies, capabilities, the fact that we cannot leave Earth as hard as people try, all of this combines to create a unique environment where we, by doing things like practicing astrology, practicing different divination and worship practices, we can sort of access in very small ways the divine and get hints about it and just be reminded of what is and reminded of what we are so that we can keep that in mind as we go through our distracted days, which are taken up by so many concerns, which are invented by human minds and have no connection to divinity 
whatsoever. We are each wholly unique individuals with different callings and different things that we're meant to bring to the collective and contribute to collective soul evolution. And we are not allowed to do those things. Most of us are not allowed to do the work that we are here to do. And instead, we're given a job, a position, tasks to keep us busy, to participate in the system that we have going. And that would be fine if it wasn't so totally divorced from what we're supposed to be partaking in. But to me, thinking about these four degrees, blending their readings and trying to essentialize Uranus and Neptune conjoining across these four degrees, I get the impression that it's time to invent a new spirituality. It's time to invent a new collective consciousness. It's time to innovate in this realm, and it's time to get back in touch with what truly is. It's time to find a way to blend our Capricornian capitalist reality with our spiritual mandate and what we're actually doing here. We need to protect the planet, and we need to protect the future of humanity. Saturn rules Capricorn, and so we have to factor Saturn into the Uranus-Neptune conjunction equation, because Saturn was the dispositor for that conjunction at the time. When a planet is occupying a sign that's not its home sign, in astrology we say that it is sort of answering to the planet that does rule that sign. So for Capricorn, that Saturn as Uranus rules Aquarius, and Neptune rules Pisces. So next month when Saturn enters Pisces, Neptune will be Saturn's dispositor for a change and we'll get to see what Saturn is like when it's operating under Neptune's conditions. If you listened all the way to the end of this ep, I just want to say thank you. I love you. You are officially an astro insider. And please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening. It really helps me to be seen by new audiences. And also, I would love to know what you think. So let me know, rate and review, and also call into the podcast. Leave me a message. Let me know what's on your mind. Ask an astrological question if you have one. You can do that by calling 646 Five four three five zero seventeen. And until next time, be well, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.